Blog Talk Radio. Of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. Okay, okay. I can't believe it. I've been playing 4 on 4 with a barbershop quartet. Nah, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico. Yeah. 
believe it. Geico could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Morning face. You get it when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, what is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got it's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA salt and mattresses. IKEA. Love your home. Oh, hi. Uh, hey. Seen on the board, do you guys have Black Rifle Coffee here? <laughs> no, I'm sorry. We only carry good small batch coffee here. Well, it is great small batch coffee. Well, that really can't be unless it's fresh roasted, so I don't, you know. Well, it is fresh roasted. I don't, I don't think you know what that means. You know what this is? This is Masa Lequa Pique, which of course in the Indonesian language, oh, let me finish, in the Indonesian language, it's weasel coffee. You just made that up. No, it's been passed through their digestive tract. That's disgusting. And then it's nature's wet processing. Yeah, but is it good? I mean, it's all right. Are they investor philanthropists? Do they support good causes? Yeah, tons of causes. Veterans causes and first responder causes, but it doesn't matter because they make good coffee. So that's what I'm wondering. Do you have any? You know what? Actually, I'm, I'm just going to order it. They make it fresh and roasted. Okay. Right. Black Rifle Coffee. It's good. show joining us now ed kratz beat writer for the philadelphia eagles netside.com how you doing ed have have you gotten any sleep i mean maybe you should be drinking some black rifle coffee (laughs) (laughs) you no kidding there um you know it comes in you know a nap here a nap there tom recharge batteries and right back uh in front of my laptop we're still not able to get into the facilities and uh, do these things live, but uh, not so bad. Getting a nap in here and there. Glad to be with you well, this morning. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you, you remember the old Seinfeld show where Kramer would just like take 20 minute naps throughout, you know, 24 hour periods of time. And he was just like, ah! <laughs> classic episode to watch. He should have Black Rifle Coffee. Really, no. In all seriousness, Black Rifle Coffee is a great place to uh, get coffee, join the coffee club, buy a bag, give a bag. They're owned by veterans. And the good thing about it is when you buy a bag, they give a bag to the troops. And the good thing about it is you get to decide to go to the troops, first responders, what have you. My friend's uh, son's in the Navy deployed and out at sea, and all they serve on the ship there is Black Rifle Coffee. Plus, they got some really cool coffee mugs and hats and all kinds of cool stuff. I promise you, it's not the Black Rifle Coffee that's making me cough in. And the Philadelphia Eagles, we'll start there. We're going to work our way backwards. We have a lot to talk about with the first round. Uh, but let's just go ahead and get your recap uh, of the of the draft with the Eagles. Uh, and, and, and when they pick next, and, and uh, certainly uh, there was a lot of – in the mix there that benefited the Colts. We'll get into that a little bit 
later on about how the Colts uh, drafted. It, it, did it help Carson Wentz or not? Well, that's kind of later on in, in the topic. But the Philadelphia Eagles, you've been staying up late for three days now. What's going on, sir? <laughs> um, well, yeah, I think it's a mixed bag for the Eagles. Um, you know, I love their first-round pick. I liked how they were aggressive moving up to take the Heisman Trophy winner, Devontae Smith. And, you know, I was a big skeptic of Smith uh, early on in this process just because of his weight issue, 166 pounds. My, you know, my goodness, I don't think I've weighed that since ninth grade. So, um, you know, I was a little concerned about that. But I've talked to enough people now in the days leading up to the draft that um, I'm, I'm more comfortable with that pick. Uh, you know, when you look at the four receivers that came out of Alabama in the last two years, a lot of people think Smith is the best one. And, you know, that includes Henry Ruggs, of course, and Jerry Judy from last year and <clears throat> Jalen Waddell this year. Um, but they, a few people have told me he's the most complete receiver of the four, that he can do it all. He's not just a, a speed guy or a, you know, uh, take it deep type of player. He he can line up anywhere on the field, which is it gives a lot of versatility. And Nick Sirianni talked about doing just that with Devontae Smith. And uh, so, yeah, I, I'm in love with the player now, and I think it was a good pick for the Eagles. And the fact that they – them and the Cowboys – had to conspire against their other division rival, the Giants, to <laughs> kind of, true. you know, Very get true. ahead. I mean, yeah, New York was ready to grab Smith at 11, and I think we we know that after the Eagles went ahead of them and took Smith, the Giants traded back the Bears to, you know, and that was a good trade for New York. I mean, they, they got a first-round pick next year, and I think the Bears got their quarterback in Justin Fields, and the and the Giants ended up taking another receiver after they couldn't get Smith and Kadarius Tony, who I liked a lot from Florida. Um, but yeah, I, I love that Eagles first round pick, and then you know, kind of a mixed bag in the second round with Landon Dickerson. The you know he's the best center in the draft from Alabama, and it's funny the Eagles took two players from Alabama back to back picks, and they hadn't drafted an Alabama player since 2002, you know, 18 years ago. Um, which is crazy that uh, they hadn't given the, you know, how great that program is. It's almost like the 33rd NFL team, if you ask me, Alabama, but. Uh, yeah, so, very true. <laughs> yeah. Very true. So, so, so Dickerson, you know, he's, but he's got an injury history. You know, he had the torn ACL, um, but, you know, all indications are that he should be ready to go game one this year. Uh, and I think he's going to prop he, you know, there's going to be a lot of speculation now where he's going to fit if the Eagles are going to get rid of Brandon Brooks at guard and start Dickerson at guard, and then he'll be Jason Kelsey's eventual replacement at center. But, you know, Dickerson has to stay healthy. And then in the third round, uh, there was the TV cameras captured Howie Roseman uh, and one of his scouts, uh, Tom Donahoe, not really agreeing to what the pick was, which was Milton Williams, who I think is a great – uh, well, yeah, he's out of Louisiana Tech there, right, yeah. Right, so I think he's going to be a really good D-tackle. Oh, I'm sorry, just, just a quick question. Going back to Dickerson there, that's the first uh, Alabama uh, kid you guys have drafted in uh, eons. Am I correct on that? Yeah, well, yeah, Smith was actually the first one in the first round. Um, oh, Smith, you're right, Devontae Smith. And then, uh, so you, you did back-to-back Alabama kids. You're right. Go ahead, sir. Sorry. Yeah, no, and they hadn't taken anyone from Bama since 2002. Um, and it's funny because I had asked Howie Roseman about why no uh-huh. Alabama players 
in his pre-draft availability, and he, you know, kind of gave a, a rather flippant answer. I think he was a little caught <laughs> off guard by it. Um, and then when they took Smith, he he kind of said, "Hey, I, I remember that question," and uh, and then he gave kind of a better answer as to why that hadn't been the case. And then it, it, they seem very sensitive about this. And then last night, Andy Weidel, their VP of Player Personnel, again ticked off all the connections they have with the University of Alabama after they took Dickerson. So, you know, it may have touched the nerve there when I asked that question uh, before the draft. But anyway, yeah, so then Dickerson comes in the second round, and then the third round you get the D tackle. And, uh, you know, there didn't seem to be, they didn't seem to be on the same page in the war room when TV cameras caught Howie Roseman and one of his scouts, Tom Donahue, really not, uh, you know, in Sapotico there, you know, they kind of – Donahue looked a little upset. And I think what the issue was was, Roseman decided to trade back. He was scheduled to make the 70th pick, traded back with Carolina three spots to 73. And I think in those spots, uh, the two guys went that they probably liked, including Aaron Robinson, the cornerback from the Central Florida. The Giants maybe got a little revenge here, traded up five spots with the Lions. uh, And I think it was the Broncos. And they ended up trading – getting Aaron Robinson, who I think the Eagles wanted. They wanted a quarterback. The Eagles needed a quarterback in this draft, and they still don't have one. And I think that's what Donahue was upset about uh, in the war room there, that the TV cameras picked up him, you know, not really giving an enthusiastic fist bump to Howie Roseman. Um, So it'll be interesting to see. I mean, if that's the case, you know, I mean, they traded back for a sixth-round pick, and they lost out on Aaron Robinson, who goes to your division rival, the New York Giants. Um, that's going to be an interesting follow for the next, uh, you know, at least for this season and beyond. Talking with Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles at SI.com, our official NFL contributor, breaking down of the 2021 uh, draft. The good thing about it is, Ed, uh, that the Eagles still have a few uh, quarterbacks that are still out there that they can pick. There's so much dead money on the books of the Eagles. It'll be hard for the Eagles to really rebuild very quickly. They appear, anyway, uh, to to set to roll with Jalen Hurts as their starting quarterback, and they'll need some really solid talent around around him in order to be competitive. They have a lot of holes to fill, both on offensive and defensive. So nailing this draft will prove critical to their future. Either way, it'll be good for them to add an infusion of young talent to what was previously an aging roster, so what do the Eagles do round four uh, coming up today? I believe it's round four, round five. I've I, I just totally lost track. I know today's the last day. What do the Eagles do on the last day? We'll get on to some of the other uh, uh, news around the draft. Yeah, well, the Eagles had eight picks today um, on Saturday, which is crazy. You know, they have four picks in the sixth round, two in the seventh, and then they have one in the fourth and one in the fifth. So that's uh, a lot of picks. I would I would expect uh, my expectation is they're going to find a way to trade Zach Ertz, the tight end. And, you know, Indianapolis could be in play here, Tom, but I think it probably would be for a conditional pick in the 2022 draft, uh, you know, which the Colts are already on the hook for one of those with the Eagles and the Carson Wentz deal. Um, but, you know, Jacksonville Jaguars are in play for Ertz, I believe, and I think it would be for a 2022 pick or the Eagles could try to, move Ertz and a couple of those sixth rounders maybe to get up a little higher in the fourth or fifth rounds. I mean, I I don't expect the Eagles to make all eight picks, but they might. Uh, I would certainly look for a cornerback, maybe two. 
a quarterback for sure, I think, will be among them. They need a punter. I think they'll go for a punter. I think they'll go for a tight end. Um, you know, they've got, like you said, they do have holes, and they're going to try to fill them. But, you know, what, what's going to be the quality on the board when you get late in the draft? You know, it's kind of hit or miss, mostly miss when you get late in the round. But there are obviously prospects, and this goes for any NFL team, that you can find if you're doing your homework at this point in the draft. And, you know, of course, Tom Brady's sixth-round pick. The Eagles had Jason Kelsey. You know, he, he could be a Hall of Fame center uh, when his career is over who came in the sixth round from Cincinnati. Um, so there are players that you can get that can help your team this late. You just have to make sure your scouting department is doing its homework. Well, here's the thing. You know, you mentioned about Tom Brady in the late draft. And I do want to get to that because it's certainly one of the big stories of the, of the first round. And, and it, I don't know that I give it an A grade. I don't, ne- don't necessarily give it an F grade. Uh, but I, I know a lot of people thought that Mac Jones was in the mix for San Francisco. We'll talk about that number three pick here in just a second. But we do know that uh, the New England Patriots have been looking to replace if we could say that word replaced, if you can even do that. And, and everybody knows I hate the Patriots, but you gotta, you gotta, you gotta give success success. And that's Tom Brady. And, and he's proven that he can win Super Bowls in multiple franchises. So he's certainly one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, whether or not I, I hate the fact that he wore a Patriots uniform or not, but so was Peyton Manning. He wore a Colts uniform. So we could, we could have that debate until, until the cows come home, as they say. Matt Jones, quarterback to Alabama, is the perfect situation for him. And he fits into Josh McDaniels' offense. And, again, I hate to give credit to the Patriots. And everybody knows I don't like Josh McDaniels. But, hey, we, 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 we won that battle there. But all things aside, Matt Jones, at number 15, the, 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 the thing about it is the Patriots got a good quarterback and they didn't even have to cheat to do it, Ed. <laughs> Not that we're aware of. Not that we know of. <laughs> yeah, there might be something that comes up yet to, to play, but go ahead. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I kind of feel sorry for Mac Jones. You know, I, I, I had the opportunity to, you know, listen to his interview, you know, on Zoom at his pro day, and that was really my first time I had kind of seen him speak in a public forum. And, forum, and I, I, I liked him. He seemed like a good kid, but anybody that comes in at this point is always going to be kind of compared to Tom Brady and Tom Brady's shadow obviously is still, you know, looming large over that Patriots facility and that organization. Um, you know, see, I, I do hope, and, and, you know, my feelings on the Patriots are, is, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not the biggest fan, but I hope he succeeds. I really do. I, I wish all these guys the best of luck, but I, I think Mac Jones is in a, it's in a tough spot because that Brady shadow is still there. And, you know, you have to a few more years out, maybe when Brady finally does retire or maybe, uh, and that, and that shadow goes away or starts to dim a little bit, then, you know, maybe a quarterback will be able to feel a little more comfortable. Um, so I hope Mac Jones is able to kind of not let that pressure get to him and, you know, stay within the confines of that offense that you mentioned, like Josh McDaniels is going to, uh, scheme up for him. You hope that, you know, that can work. Uh, and you hope that he has some success. Um, and I like what the Patriots have done in this draft. I got to be honest, you know, letting Mac Jones land there for them. Everybody thought they'd have to trade up to get their quarterback, but he fell to them because the Niners 
ended up taking Trey Lance, who, you know, young kid, uh, you know, has a lot of the tools, but boy, he's so inexperienced. And, um, you know, I like Trey Lance. He can move well. He can throw on the run. And I think that fits the Kyle Shanahan offense. Uh, but he's young and he's inexperienced and there might be some growing pains. Obviously Mac Jones, a little bit more seasoned, can't move as well. Um, but neither could Tom Brady and look at all the success he had. So, um, and then the Patriots in the second round, they trade up to with the Bengals to get the Christian Barmore from Alabama, who I love. Mm-hmm. And, and then they take another defensive lineman and Ronnie Perkins uh, in the third round, who I also <laughs> liked a whole lot. So, uh, you know, that, that's a pretty good draft so far for New England, and they still have a bunch of picks uh, on Saturday. Um, so, you know, I like what they're doing. I like Mac Jones to a point. I, I, like I said, though, I hope he does have some success there um, and doesn't let that Tom Brady aura kind of swallow him up. Yeah, you know, who's going to say always say compared to Tom Brady, compared to Tom Brady? Right, Tom Brady's right. gone. It's, it's time for a new era. We had the same thing here in Indianapolis when Andrew loved it. Hey, hey, Phil and Tom Brady shoes it. I think a lot of us, including myself, thought that Andrew Luck would be coming back. It does not appear to be the case, but it does appear to be. And I do want to talk about the coast and Carson Wentz here in just a moment. But let's just start from the top here. One of the biggest stories, the Jags take Trevor Lawrence. He needs a haircut. Let's, they, I hope they put that in his contract. Yeah. <laughs> He's got, that's got to be the longest hair. Now that I, I'm used to seeing it on defensive guys and linemen, but quarterbacks, you don't see guys with that long of hair, but that's that's a side story. That's a side story. Trevor Lawrence, well, obviously. Hey, Tom, I got to agree with you. I saw an interview with him in the wind in Jacksonville Stadium, and he kept flipping his hair because the wind was blowing it all over. It was so irritating. <laughs> and listen, no. anybody that knows me, and you know me, I, I don't have any hair, and it might sound like jealousy here, but I, it just <laughs> bugged me. That he's, he's flipping around his hair like Fabio or well, somebody, you know? I, I yeah, like on, man. some sort of – White Snake MTV video or something. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great comparison. But but Trevor Lawrence obviously coming out of Clemson, uh, he, he's a game changer. He's he's starting day one. We all know it. Uh, Lawrence is, is will change the dynamic of this franchise for the next decade. They dra- drafted their next franchise quarterback. They will win a Super Bowl. So win it as expected. I don't know that we need to spend a lot of time talking about this. Urban Meyer, we knew this was going to happen, but you know what? His pattern. It's been his pattern. I want fast, 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 fast. And maybe he gives a damn, but he, but really what he cares most about is speed. And I tell you what, I, I still believe this is one of my conspiracy theories. I still believe that a condition uh, a backdoor condition of him taking that job at Jacksonville was they were going to draft Trevor Lawrence because keep in mind they he didn't make that decision to go to Jacksonville till it was pretty certain that Trevor Lawrence was going to go number one in the draft and they were going to assure it. I think that was part of it. Any thoughts to add to that conversation, uh, tre- uh, Trevor Lawrence uh, to the Jaguars? Uh, yeah, sure. That that had to be a condition. Every new head coach wants to have his quarterback in play. You know, we've seen it, you know, through the years, you know, getting back to Carson Wentz. You know, Doug Peterson wanted Carson Wentz to build him around. And 
you know, every new coach wants their quarterback, their own quarterback. Um, you know, the Lions got a new one in Jared Goff for their coach, Dan Campbell. Um, you know, so, yeah, it makes sense that Meyer wanted that job and took that job because of Trevor Lawrence, and that's a great building block to have. Uh, you know, but you look at all the picks that Jacksonville has, it's hard to screw this up. I mean, they have so many picks from trade sure. to the past, you know, trading Ramsey and, you know, some of the other guys that they had. And, you know, I, I like that they took the two Clemson teammates uh, in the first round, you know, Lawrence and then Travis Etienne, the running back. I mean, a lot of people think he's the best running back in the draft. I, I personally think Javante Williams from North Carolina is. Um, you know, they get a line, an uh, offensive lineman. They get a cornerback in Tyson Campbell. Uh, you know, it's, it's going to be hard for Jacksonville to screw this up, if you ask me, with all these picks, these premium picks. And then Urban Meyer, you know, I know he's a rookie NFL coach, but, you know, if you can coach, you can coach, I would think. And I, and I think the Jags are going to be better. I mean, are they going to hit 500? I don't even think you can go 500 anymore because of the 17 games that they're playing. So you can't go 500. There's no more 8-8 eight and eight teams. Um, but, you know, can they win seven games? I mean, sure, I, I think there's a chance they, they could be a factor. And that, you know, I know you don't want to see that because they play in your division there. Tom. I was getting ready to say it is about time for a division change up again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I was a little concerned if I was a Colts fan because I think this Jags team could be a team on the rise. You know, it could take, you know, two years. But, I, you know, I think the talent. Uh, that talent vacuum that they've had for all these years is going to be shut down with this draft. Well, of course, here in Indiana, we know Urban Meyer very well. He coached the other uh, semi-pro NFL team, a team, a little team called Ohio State. So I think he knows a little mm. something about something. So we'll see what happens. Zach Wilson, you know, <laughs> I, I like him as a player. I would have been, I, I would have taken Justin Fields in this spot. I'm surprised. It, Let's talk about this for a minute because I, I do want to get this lead way into the number three with the Niners. Uh, Trey Lance, they got their guy, and we'll talk about that here in a second. Uh, but Zach Wilson, quarterback BYU, he goes to the Jets. Again, a game changer for the Jets. Justin Fields fell all the way down to 10 or 11, and there was that that deal with the, the Bears, and he ended up with the Bears. And We can maybe analyze that, but Justin Fields, I feel like – had that story not have broken, I'm glad it did. But the thing about it is his agents knew about Everybody knew about his issue with epilepsy. Do you think he fell so far down because of that? Or is there another reason why the Jets decided to go with Zach Wilson as opposed to Justin Fields? <clears throat> well, I, I, um, I think what the Jets liked about Wilson is, you know, his ability to throw from all the different arm slots, uh, move a little bit. Uh, in the pocket and kind of like Pat Mahomes has kind of made that, you know, a fashionable thing that throwing from different arm slots, the flick of the wrist ball that they can get deep, which Wilson can do. Um, But yeah, I'm not, I'm not really sold on Wilson. I mean, listen, uh, fields could end up being the better quarterback, but I think he was starting to slide before the whole epilepsy thing came out. I mean, he was just getting raked over with a fine tooth comb and, I think you and I texted a little bit about this. You know, I'm just not a real big believer in Big Ten quarterbacks. I mean, they really don't – it's not really a quarterback conference, and um, that concerns me. I hope he bucks the trend and and proves it. I mean, I know Kirk Cousins, you know, is doing okay in Minnesota uh, coming out of Michigan State, but, um, you know, not really a big quarterback-producing conference. So hopefully Fields can kind of put that to rest. 
but you know, there's five quarterbacks that went here, right? And not all of them, I don't think, are going to be hits. I mean, we see that every year where quarterbacks are taken, and not all of them hit. You know, there's going to be a bust or two here somewhere, and you know, who's it going to be? Um, is it going to be Wilson? Will it be Fields or Lance? I don't think it'll be Lawrence, but but you don't know. Um, injuries can play a factor in these quarterbacks' careers too. Um, but what I like what the Jets did after they took Wilson is they traded up to get an offensive lineman uh, in the first round, Elijah Vera Tucker, on the heels of taking Mekhi Becton in the first round last year, a big offensive tackle from Louisville. Um, you know, that offensive line is going to be important for Wilson. And then they come along and they take a wide receiver in Elijah Moore, who, you know, he's like a whirling dervish. He's fast. He's quick. He's got good hands. Um, another guy that's going to help Zach Wilson. So they're, they're putting parts around him. Uh, in hopes that he can be a success. Uh, as, as far as the Bears doing that with Fields, that's a concern. You know, there's still some holes that the Bears need to fill and put some parts a- around Fields to have the success. You know, it's just not a one-man team. Um, Chicago still has a lot of issues, and um, you know, you hope that Fields can kind of survive. Uh, you know, some of the the holes that are on this on the field. I like that. Chicago ended up getting the offensive tackle from Oklahoma State, Tevin Jenkins. You know, I was on his pro day call, and he must have dropped the uh, the MF word five or six times. I mean, he's a bad dude. <laughs> <Thank> <laughs> he bench pressed 36 reps at 20, you know, 225 pounds. He's a strong, nasty player. Uh, you hope he helps uh, Fields, but they need more parts around Fields for Fields to be a success. Um, and I and I hope they do. Like I said earlier i hope all these guys pan out that they're developed properly but you know that's not always going to be the case in fact there's probably going to be more misses uh with these quarterbacks and hits if you ask me well and and maybe this is the miss i mean but here's the thing you look at the, the chicago bears and they say well what are, what are you, what is the definition of insanity and that's to keep doing the same thing over and over again whatever uh <clears throat> whatever that saying goes we look at the bears that pretty much the exact same thing when they picked up a quarterback by the name of Mitch Trubetsky. Still a disaster, which is why they drafted another quarterback, and they got Andy Dalton in there. So, I mean, something's going to snap here. Something's going to break. And if this this turns out to be a bust and Dustin Fields or whatever doesn't appear to be at work, we're going to be looking at some organizational changes uh, with with the Bears. Now, let's get to the 49ers. Uh, And – I got some colleagues that are out there in the Bay Area. My home office is based out in in San Francisco, so huge Bay Area uh, people. A lot of them uh, were thinking Justin Fields were going to go. One of my colleagues was completely happy with Trey Lance. Now, we know another uh, guy that went to uh, North Dakota State, you and I, by by the name of Carson Wentz. So uh, all hope isn't lost. Now, I'm not prepared to give – the Niners an A plus and say, hey, you did a great job. I don't see the trading up with 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 the first two rounds, obviously, as the price to get the guy who who is raw and needs time. Lance has skill, but he needs time. The 49er uh, fans need to pump the Super Bowl breaks. It's not happening. That's not the franchise quarterback yet. And I am still curious to see what's going to happen with the G-Man. What are your thoughts there, the 49ers, Trey Lance, quarterback, North Dakota State University? Yeah, um, young guy. I think he's only played 17 games. He's 
played one game this past season. It was in October before North Dakota State put the brakes on their season because of the COVID. Um, so, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how quickly they can get him up to speed. Uh, listen, he's a young kid. Uh, he's going to need time to grow. Uh, but I like this pick for the Niners a lot better than I do Mac Jones. I think Lance fits Shanahan's system better. Uh, to have a quarterback that can move and throw and, you know, get a first down here and there with his legs. Um, but, again, I mean, he's played at a, a lower level uh, of football, kind of like Carson Wentz did. You know, Wentz was from North Dakota, and, he, and, and maybe the difference is, you know, Carson was kind of put on a pedestal in that state, uh, and he could do no wrong. And then when it came time to face a little adversity in Philadelphia – uh, he didn't know how to handle it uh, because he, you know, he was worshipped basically in North Dakota. You know, Lance is from Minnesota, different environment. Uh, you know, maybe he's a little more uh, ready for any adversity that he faces on the field. I mean, you know, Carson obviously dealt with some adversity off the field with the injuries, but you know, when adversity struck on the field, uh, he, you know, he just wasn't equipped to to kind of figure out how to get past it. Uh, you hope that he is at this point, but I think Trey Lance, yeah, I think he, he helps the Niners, but you're right. I think you do have to hit the brakes a little bit. I think there's going to be some growing pains. Um, you know, the Niners were in the Super Bowl two years ago, lost. They, they gave up big plays late to lose that game to the Chiefs. Um, you know, Shanahan gets some credit, obviously, for getting two teams, helping two teams get to the Super Bowl. He was there with the Falcons. Uh, a few years ago, but then look at how Atlanta blew that Super Bowl to the Patriots, losing a 28-3 to lead because they didn't run the ball. And, you know, Shanahan's the offensive coordinator, so some of that fault lays at his feet. So, you know, Shanahan is, you know, this next genius head coach, but, you know, he's 0-2 in Super Bowls, and, you know, he's got to hope that Lance is the guy that's going to get him back there and finally win one. We're talking with Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles and Inside.com. Joining us now is Tony Donahue from the Tony D Podcast. Tony, uh, this is a good uh, transition point. Tony, how are you, sir? <clears throat> good. How are you doing? Fantastic. Tony, I know you're a homer here in Indianapolis with me, and so we're Colts guys. Uh, but obviously, Ed is out in Philadelphia. He's an Eagles guy. Big story with Carson Wentz, not this weekend, but just a story and how the draft comes around that. We'll start with you, Tony. Uh, I was a little surprised, a little took it off, that Frank Ballard decided to go with two de- defensive tackles uh, in, the, in, the, in over the last couple of days. Now, am I happy with uh, O.J., O'Day, O, 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 Oh, my dubio. How would I say his name? I don't know, but I'll learn by the time the season starts. I'm happy with it. I'm a little concerned that they decide to go to back-to-back players for the same position. What are your thoughts about the Colts overall? And, again, we've got Carson Wentz at the helm, which we all know, no offense, Ed, we all know that, that he has a struggle staying healthy. So, uh, Tony, give us your grade on the Colts, what's been going on this weekend with them. Um, you know, as much as I loved uh, Quiddy Pay, the first pick that they got out of Michigan with so the twenty first overall like pick. That. Yeah, even practicing I, I like it. <laughs> yeah, I the 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 pick last night. Um, well, yeah, like you said, obviously you say his name. I just coming off an injury like that, playing it, and yeah, he played in the SEC, but he played in like the dumpster fire of the SEC when it comes to college football. So. If I had to grade the Colts right now, they're at a C plus because I think they got a, 
I would I would rate the first pick an A minus and the second pick a D. So meet him right in the middle. Tony, uh, what are we going to do to protect Carson Wentz? I mean, we we will we a lot of people would like to think Carson Wentz is, still has a lot of gas left in the tank. And and Ed, I know you can probably speak to this better than we can. We would like to think that that a, a fresh start, fresh scenery means a lot of a lot of good stuff. Uh, what do the Colts, Tony, need to do to make and help? Uh, Carson Wentz be successful in a Colts uniform. You know, obviously, offensive line help is going to be needed. It's it, it, you're not going to be able to replace a guy like Estanzo, but you're going to have to put somebody in there that at least can keep, as we know, um, Carson upright. Um, you know, you you could work out many offensive linemen, and hopefully, you just find a rhythm. I'm assuming, I'm assuming Chris Ballard decided that. Um, you know, they were going to go with the best available player from their evaluations of what they thought at that pick. That's the only thing that I can really think of. Um, I think they had their eyes on the offensive lineman out of North Dakota State, uh, and he went right before, I believe he was selected right before to the Titans. Uh, I think they had their, their eyes dead set on him, thinking that um, thinking that he, he, he would be there. Um, and then – Obviously, he gets taken you know, right right before the Colts uh, had their pick. So, um, they were probably scrambling a little bit. Um, I think the guy named uh, Reduns out of North Dakota State. Uh, I think they were scrambling a little bit, and, and, and that was their next best player on the board, and they went with him. Ed Kratz, be ready for the Philadelphia Eagles. You're very familiar with Carson Wentz. You followed his entire career, uh, and uh, certainly his, his Super Bowl appearances, or maybe lack thereof, or what, what have you. Uh, but uh, you know a lot about Carson Wentz. This, this might be a good opportunity to get to know Carson Wentz uh, for the Coles fans that, that listen to us, and also talk with us a little bit about what the Colts need to do in the draft to help Carson Wentz out, Ed? Well, you know, obviously you want to keep him upright. I mean, you know, he's had the bad luck with injuries, but, you know, there's there's no question, you know, Carson Wentz is such a gamer. I mean, you know, you see him run the ball, and he's, he's just – some of his problem is he just tries to do so much, and that leaves him vulnerable to injury. But, you know, he, he's – a ultimate competitor he'll try to get every first down he'll try to get every last yard uh when he takes off running the ball and that's not always a good thing and um you want him to feel comfortable when he drops back the pass so yeah you you have to uh build that left tackle spot up i think a little bit uh it's a, i love the offensive line for the colts you know from center out but you have to find that left tackle and i think it's it's a pretty thin draft board at that position uh, here coming into the final day. I don't know who you're going to get in the draft that's going to help you at this point. Um, but you're going to have to find somebody, and maybe that comes in a trade somehow after the draft or maybe even today. Maybe they try to uh, find a way to get a tackle and mm-hmm. give up some draft capital. Um, but they, they do need to uh, find somebody there uh, because Carson Wentz needs to stay healthy, but more importantly, he needs to stay comfortable when he drops back to pass. You know, we – we kind of saw him panic uh, quite a bit in Philadelphia when their offensive line was decimated with injury. And, you know, they started 14 different line combinations in seven or 16 games this year. And Wentz just didn't look comfortable. So if he starts taking a pounding uh, and a lot of that pressure is coming over the left side, that was not addressed. And it's going to be a, it's going to be a problem. 
Tony, I, I know uh, you, you're here local here. I don't know if you heard uh, uh, Dan's show yesterday. Uh, but the thing is, what do the Colts do here? And, I mean, we look at a situation where we got one year uh, with, with T.Y. Hilton. We also, what do we have to give up? We have Paris. Why would we want to give him, him up? Uh, there's a lot of things that need to happen. What do the Colts do? If you're in the war room uh, out there on 56th Street today, last day of the draft, so far, like you said, a C at best uh, with with the Colts draft. Frank Ballard, I, I get confused because he always claims to be the I let's let's build from the draft. Let's build from the draft. To me, they made one good pick in the draft, and we we don't have a lot to work with. Tony, what do the Colts do today to at least get them to a B or an A in the draft, if that's even possible? Yeah, I think you'll see some things with, with Chris Ballard today that, um, you know, maybe trading back a little bit to, to gain a few more picks to bring a couple more bodies in. You know, you've got seven rounds of picks. You, you, so, you, you know, you've got probably nine, ten new guys you drafted coming to the door, probably another ten more coming to the door this week um, that, that, that have a chance to work out and, and make the team. I, I think you could still, you know, they'll grab an offensive lineman or two and, and then they'll have some competition at that spot this summer. Um, I think you add that in with maybe a guy that is a wide receiver that can, that can compete for that second or, or probably the third or fourth wide receiver slot, maybe return some kicks. Um, we'll, we'll see. But I, I, I think you, you definitely get a couple offensive linemen, some uh, offensive specialty players. Um, you're good on the running back position, maybe get a couple more wide receivers in there just to have some competition. Um, this draft is not going to make or break Chris Ballard. It's not going to win them a Super Bowl, I don't think. Um, but, but, but we'll see. Some players that you know maybe can make an immediate impact. You know, guys like Ben Banigou, you know, who was drafted a few years ago that they're still waiting for the development on. Um, you know, this, this is the time to go get those guys that are maybe behind some of these dudes that haven't panned out to say, Hey, either step up your game and move forward or, you know, you're going to be replaced. So maybe just a couple more guys that, um, you know, they can get in there and, and get some really good competition going. Talking with Tony Donahue of the Tony D podcast, Ed Kratz, uh, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles and SI.com, our official NFL contributor. And let's move on to that number four pick. Uh, the Falcons go with Kyle Pitts, Tied in Florida, uh, really a great a great story here. Give him an A, an A plus. If not, he he can't he's a can't miss prospect. Uh, he's a mismatch nightmare. What a great pick for the Falcons. That was a great shot in the arm that the Falcons needed. Kyle Pitts. Uh, I, I absolutely agree, man. I love Kyle Pitts. Um, yeah, I love this. You know, I loved all these prospects' uh, suits and their getups that they wore. But you know, he wore that kind of the midnight green look like an Eagles color. You know, he's from the suburbs of Philadelphia, right outside the city of Abington, Pennsylvania, um, went to a private school. But, you know, he had the patches on that jacket he wore, the, the, the Hall of Fame color gold. Um, you know, but I just think this guy is going to be a real star for them. Uh, you know, there was some talk that they were going to take a quarterback here, but, you know, they're going to ride with Matt Ryan for a couple of years, as they should. Uh, and this was a smart pick, and to me it was kind of a foregone conclusion because, you know, Kyle Pitts had talked, I, you know, we talked at his pro day, and he talked about how much interest the Falcons were showing in him. That before the 
pro day after the pro day they had things scheduled so you know you can see this pick coming kind of in my opinion a mile away they weren't going to go quarterback and i think it's going to pay big dividends you can line him up inside outside you can line him up uh in the slot and bring him out of the slot uh and he's a, you know he's one of those jump ball guys once you get in the red zone you throw it up and let him go make a play because he's you know six five six six whatever he is and um, you know, he's a great pick for them. I, I think it was a great pick. And then they followed up by taking a safety. Uh, they addressed the defense, Richie Grant, another guy I really liked in this draft, um, maybe the best safety in the draft, and they get him. So, you know, I like when you go offense-defense uh, in a draft or defense-offense with your first two picks, and that's what they've done here with two good players. We're talking also with Tony Donahue from the Tony D podcast. I don't know if you got anything to add with the Falcons pick, but let's go on over to the the, the bagel, uh, bagel bagels. I'm ready for a bagel. Bengals. Uh, Jamar Chase uh, certainly. Uh, I like this guy. Love this player. A big time pass catcher. He joins his former college uh, teammate Joe Burrow. But don't you think it would have been more sense for the Bengals to go with an offensive tackle here, Tony? I mean, you know, yeah, but you can't – again, I think people put a little too much stock in the offensive line position than what they've done that with the Colts. Um, but if you can get two guys that have chemistry right away, um, you know, down there un, under, under a guy like Urban Meyer who knows how to coach um, and, and, and needs maybe guys that already have a chemistry, already have those repetitions together, um, kind of hard to pass that up. Yeah, a- a- Absolutely. And we're moving on along here. I want to get through these. We only have a few minutes left here. Jalen Waddle, we watched him out at Alabama. If you're in Alabama, the great thing about playing for Alabama, you're going to be seen. People are going to get tape on you. I'm going to at least give him a B on this. I think uh, he has the Tyreek Hill type of ability. I think he'll be able to help out Tua a ton. I think it works. The Dolphins, Jalen Waddle out of Alabama, Ed. Yeah, you know, I mean, I think the Dolphins were hoping that Chase or Pitts would be there, and that's why they traded uh, into the top ten with the Eagles. The Eagles kind of read the board a little better here, I think. They kind of saw Chase and Pitts going and wouldn't be available. And, and I think the Dolphins, they could have stayed at 12 and gotten Devontae Smith, uh, you know, or, or jumped up to 10 maybe and gotten Devontae Smith. But, you know, Jalen Waddle, yeah, I mean, he's a he's a great, you know, great college receiver. Um very dynamic in the way he's able to make plays and his speed and his separation. Uh, but, you know, again, we'll, we'll see. I mean, I, you know, I hope the ankle's okay. You know, he got hurt last year. He's a little undersized at five, nine and 180 pounds. Uh, you know, you just hope that they use him correctly, but uh, yeah, I, I, I guess it was a good pick. I probably would have gone, you know, a different direction, maybe an offensive lineman there, but um, you know, they went receiver. They wanted another playmaker for Tua, and the two were teammates in college. So, you know, you, you roll the dice, and you hope they can kind of uh, develop the same chemistry they had at, uh, at Bama. Well, Rick was going to join us today, but he decided that it was a better day to be out on his boat fishing. And I certainly wanted to get his thoughts about the Lions. We'll talk about the Lions. I guess I want to get both of you. We'll start with you, Ed. Are we a little surprised that it took so long for Jeremiah or J-O-K, as I like to call him, because I can't say his last name from Notre Dame. Are we a little surprised that the Browns finally traded up to get him in? in, in why did it take so long? We'll start with you, Ed. Why did it take so long for a guy with so much talent to finally get on a team? Yeah, I mean, I, I just think it's because of his size. You know, he's about 215 to 220 pounds. He's kind of a tweener. Where are you going to play him? I mean, a lot of people compared him to Isaiah Simmons, who the Cardinals took, I think, in the top ten and Last year's draft, um, 
But, you know, where, where do you play him? You know, I love the guy. I love his versatility. He's that hybrid player, that type of that positionless type player that more and more we're seeing in the NFL. Uh, he's terrific at covering guys in the slot. You can play him at safety. You can blitz him off the edge. Um, I love the guy. I'm shocked that he fell out of the first round, to be honest, and, and lasted as long as he did. Um, but uh, I, I just think probably it's because of his size and, and that tweener type of a player. Uh, where are you going to play him? You know, you need to kind of have a role for him when you when you draft him, and maybe some teams just didn't see a fit, and that's why he lasted as long as he did. But I think he's going to be a real nice player for Cleveland. Tony, we'll get, I'll ask you the same question. Obviously, we, we follow Notre Dame. I follow Notre Dame. I'm a huge Notre Dame fan. A little surprised that it took so long for him to end up with a team. He ended up with the, with, with the Browns. I kind of like – I, I, I uh, talked with uh, uh, Adam yesterday uh, evening, and he's in Disney World with his family. He'd be on with us. Uh, but he's our super Browns fan. He, he, he told me, and he texted it, I quote, Andrew Barry is building a beast. Meanwhile, the crap Ballard is doing two tight ends, WTF. We already talked a little bit about that. But JOK does end up at the Browns. Uh, do we agree with the fact that Andrew Barry, Tony, is building a beast there in Cleveland? I mean, they're trying to. You, you Obviously, you have your, uh, you have your quarterback. You've got a running back situation set. You've got a pretty good line. Um, defense seems to play well. It's, it's just about, it's just really about trying to compete in the AFC. And right now, I mean, if you look at the AFC next year, you're still going to look at Kansas City, Buffalo, Baltimore, then maybe Cleveland. So Cleveland still has a step or two to take before they're really serious contenders. Um, I think in the AFC, because you know Mahomes isn't going anywhere. Uh, Allen's proved in Buffalo that he's not going anywhere. Um, you know Lamar Jackson, they're they're on the verge as well. The Colts have gotten better. The Titans are still right there. Um, so we'll see. I mean, they're, they're a team that, that, that has put the pieces together and barring injuries could compete in the AFC, but I don't, I don't see them going to the Super Bowl anytime soon. Tony, let's talk about the Lions at that number six, uh, seven pick. I'm sorry. So, well, offensive tackle out of Oregon. Uh, they, they probably thought he wouldn't be here, so they were they were happy he was, and so certainly they, they grabbed him. He's got a ton of talent and will upgrade that line in a big way. I mean, I think the Lions did fairly good in the first round in picking up Sewell out of Oregon. Yeah, I mean, it's a good pick. Uh, fits Fits what they needed. Um, you know, sometimes Pac-12 players get overlooked, but usually when they get into uh, usually when they get into the uh, the NFL, uh, especially linemen and, and defensive backs, and the Pac-12 seems to be the guys that always go uh, and make an impact. So, great pick for them. So we go. We move on. Ed, we move on to the Panthers, uh, which everybody knows. I always like to take this time to brag about my granddaughter. She's a huge uh, uh, Panthers fan. Lives out in North Carolina. Big Panthers fan. I texted her after the the, the, the draft. It was late, so actually I texted my son, and it goes to her. She doesn't have her own phone, but it's a whole process. Trust me, there's a process of getting a text to my granddaughter. Said, what do you think about J.C. Horn? And she goes, "Who's Horn?" <laughs> But keep in mind, she's nine. But the Panthers, J.C. Horn, uh, quarterback out of South Carolina, I would think, I would have thought that this would have been somebody that the Eagles would have been eyeing, maybe not. Uh, I like Patrick Sertain more, but I get it. Horn is a feisty corner and will definitely be a good cover player. Ed, what are your thoughts on the Panthers and J.C. Horn? 
Yeah, the Eagles would have taken him for sure. They need cornerbacks, still don't have one after two days. Uh, I thought going eight might have been a little high. The first defensive player off the board, a little bit of a surprise. I think, you know, Patrick Sertan or, or, or J.C. Horn were going to be the first corners, but I thought this might be a little high. I thought maybe they'd go with like a Rashawn Slater, uh, someone to help, uh, you know, Sam Darnold, who looks like he's going to be their quarterback. Um, again, we talked about putting pieces around a, a quarterback to be successful. Um, you know, the Bears have to do that with fields. Um, but, you, you know, I, I think you should have put pieces around uh, Darnold. You know, I know they took Terrace Marshall in the second round, a good receiver from LSU. Um, but I would have gone with an offensive lineman here. I mean, J.C. Horn could be a really good, strong cornerback. But, I, 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 you know, I just don't think at number eight that's the best value pick for them. Tony, let's talk a little bit about the Broncos. They pick up Patrick Sertain, the second, another guy out of corner, corner out of Alabama. I mean, you, you got to love his game. He's one of those corners who, who will be sound from the minute he steps on the field. He will be a star. The Broncos needed this Patrick Sertain, the second. It sounds like I'm addressing a king or something. Go ahead. Yeah, uh, just a guy that, you know, could come in day one, make an impact, can come in and um, show that, he's ready to go and, and, and become a leader early on in his career. And they need some excitement in Denver. It's been a rough couple of years. And I think this is certainly uh, a step in the right direction. Um, any thoughts, uh, Ed, on Patrick Sertain? Should we, should we call him Patrick Sertain the second, or can we just, can we just get by through the world and talking to NFL, just call him Sertain with the Broncos? Yeah, that's sure. That sounds fine <laughs> to me. You don't have to throw the second in there. Uh, you know, and is it Sertain or Sertan? I think his dad went by Sertan. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. Whatever. Uh, you know, yeah, I like the pick. Uh, you know, I think him and Horn were the two best guys. They both have great bloodlines with fathers that played for a number of years and had a lot of success in the league. So they're raised in, you know, football families. And, you know, he's a four year starter in the SEC. Um, I think it's a great pick. Again, uh, I was surprised that Denver went with a corner in the first round. Um, you know, I guess they're sold on Teddy Bridgewater. Of course, all that stuff that broke before the draft with Aaron Rodgers and, you know, the Broncos were allegedly close to dealing for Aaron Rodgers and he would be the quarterback. But uh, I'm not so sure I wouldn't have gone quarterback here if you don't think you're going to get Aaron Rodgers. And, you know, is Teddy Bridgewater and Drew Locke going to be the answer there? So I, I was a little surprised they went corner. I think he'll be a good corner. But, again, is it the best value with that spot at nine? I, I, I don't know. I don't think it was. So we're going to do a little bit of rewind here, Tony, because uh, you weren't with us at the beginning of the show. Obviously, the Eagles went with Devontae Smith and then number 10 the, out of Alabama. Uh, and, and Ed already talked about this, a little disappointing that all the corners uh, a little, went a little bit earlier than, than helped it, but certainly he'll help out Jalen Hurts. What are your thoughts, uh, Tony, on the Eagles and Devontae Smith out of Alabama? You know, to be honest, like I, like I mentioned to you, I really haven't followed much of the draft. Um, so if Ed says that's a good pick for the Eagles, I'm going to trust his, his judgment on it. <laughs> hey, trust me. Hey, you can always trust Ed's judgment. But let's talk also, again, rewind. We've already talked about this. Justin Fields goes all the way down to what most people would have thought he would have went to the Jets. I think a lot of people thought he would have the Jets or even the Niners. I mean, the, the, the Niners came out smelling like a rose, too, in that number three pick. We thought, and I know you and I talked via text that maybe the Justin Fields would end up with, with New England. Uh, not, the, not the case, and, and then we smack it to New England. But the Bears 
seem to do something that we've seen them do before with Mitchell Trubisky. Now, don't get me wrong, Justin Fields is a great quarterback. I wonder if this epilepsy story is what caused him to fall to 11. I still give the Bears an A. They gave up a lot, but they ended up with the second-best quarterback in the draft. It's a bold move, but necessary. What are your thoughts about Justin Fields going to the Bears, Tony Donahue? Yeah, um, I like it. I think it gives the Bears some excitement, you know, give them some time to sit behind Andy Dalton, um, let Andy Dalton try to, you know, resurrect his career. Maybe he becomes trade bait of some sort. But, um, you know, you're giving them all the time in the world, and there's a lot of pressure walking into uh, Soldier Field every time you do it because, as we know, the Bears fans are ready to win. They haven't really done much since going to the Super Bowl against the against the Colts back in 2006, I believe, 2005 it was. So, um, like that, yeah, yeah, it gives them some hope, and I think he's a guy that, that, that can learn. And if they put him in the right system, um, he's a big-arm quarterback that can scramble, and that's kind of what the NFL is leaning towards. Well, we got a few more minutes uh, left in the show, guys. But, uh, Ed, I want to talk with you about your second favorite team, the Cowboys, and Micah Parsons, <laughs> linebacker for Penn State. Do the Cowboys really need a linebacker, Ed? I, I know their linebackers didn't play well last year, but this wasn't a major need. I guess you look at need versus want. I don't know. Maybe give them a passing grade, a C, maybe. But do the Cowboys really need Micah Parsons? Well, they had a lot of success with the last linebacker they took out of Penn State, Sean Lee, who retired, and they I guess they hope they'll have the same Oh, that's right. There's that connection to you as well. Forgot about that. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. yeah, I think Parsons, he'll make some wow plays for you for sure, but I I just wonder about his – some character issues surrounding him, some stories I've heard. Um, You wonder how hard he's going to work all the time. Uh, does he have a feeling that he's made it, and will he not try to get any better at this point? Um, you know, I, I know some stories of some camps that he went to at Penn State uh, that not exactly a coachable uh, guy or, or listen well to, to direction. So I don't know. I, you, you wonder if he's just going to kind of have kind of an up-and-down effort from week to week and not go 100% thinking that he's already made it, he's arrived. Uh, and doesn't want to get any better, doesn't think he needs to get any better. So we'll see. I mean, I think there's no questioning his talent. Terrific player, no doubt. Um, but will he give 100% every game? I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Um, if it pans out for him, it'll be a great pick, but we'll, we'll see how it pans out. You know, Sean Lee was a great player. I, you know, I really respected Sean Lee a whole lot, had some injury issues. Um, but we'll we'll see if Micah Parsons can can kind of rise up and be the next Sean Lee for the Cowboys. All right, guys, we're going to have to wrap it up and put a bow on. Before we do, uh, I do because uh, we, we're in Colts territory here. We were the the, the anti hate Patriots. Uh, Tony, uh, we talked a little bit about Mac Jones, Alabama. Perfect situation uh, for him. As I mentioned earlier, he fits in well with Josh McDaniels. But I do want to get your thoughts about Mac Jones because I, I, I don't know. They and I'll make this joke again. I'm sorry, I'm making it twice. Ed. They actually got a quarterback, and they didn't even have to cheat to do it, at least that we know about. What are your thoughts as a final, final word to you, Tony, the Patriots, Mac Jones out of Alabama? They have to get in shape a little bit more. I, he, he looks like a guy that uh... – is, is is almost Andy Dalton-esque. You know, he, he, he's a big-bodied quarterback. Um, he, they got a guy I think is going to be able to compete against Josh Allen because that's who's going to own that division over the next probably five to seven years is the Buffalo Bills. So 
Um, if Mac Jones can be the guy that they want and, and Josh McDaniels and Bill Belichick can work their magic, great. Um, but I'm still undecided on how, on how his future will be and what his NFL career will look like. Tony Donahue, the Tony D Podcast. Great podcast. Check, it out. Check him out. Tony, what are you guys working on this week uh, on the podcast? Well, we've got a little uh, little Kentucky Derby preview that we had today, uh, talking about some things in sports, and then a lot of racing ahead of us here in the month of May. Fantastic. We look forward to it. Tony, uh, where can people find your work and masterpieces, sir? Yeah, just check out TonyDND.com or TonyDND on Twitter. And we'll get it up on there for you as well. Tony, you have yourself a good weekend. Thanks for jumping on with hey, us today. Tony, Tony, yep, can I ask you a question guys. quick? Who do you yep, like in ahead. the Derby? Who do you like in the Derby? Who, who you got? You know, give so me, I've, me a I've gone back and forth, and, 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 and these things kind of have, have, have changed, and obviously it's always a crapshoot. Um, but, you know, everybody's looking at Midnight Bourbon as, as somebody to, mm-hmm. to place their bets on. Um, there's been a couple other um, ones out there. But I like um, Hot Rod Charlie coming out of the ninth slot. He's gone anywhere from a nine to two down to a four to one. Um, give me Hot Rod Charlie to win today. Nice. All right, that there's your tip of the spirit. day, Hot Rod Charlie. All right, thank you. Go ahead, right, guys. Enjoy. All right, Tony, thanks. Have a good weekend. Tony Donahue of the Tony D Podcast. You know, we used to cover the, the uh, Kentucky Derby quite extensively here. We kind of went off of that. That was that was good talk. Ed Kraft, I appreciate it when you come on. I know you've had a long weekend, and hopefully you'll be able to get, have a restful day tomorrow. Uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, Ed, what are you working on? What's what's going on in your world? Where can people find your work in Masterpieces, sir? Well, I'll be working with eight Eagles draft picks today. In about an hour, the draft resumes here at noon. And, uh, gosh, I think that's going to keep me busy till, you know, till the time Howie Rosen comes out to talk to us about seven or eight tonight. Uh, this is looking like a 12-hour day. I'm, I'm kind of disappointed the derbies today. Usually I'm, you know, sitting in an OTB parlor uh, on derby <laughs> day with some friends, tipping back a few, uh, you yeah. know, playing playing other races as well, and then gearing up for the our picks in the derby. And uh, I'm missing that today. But uh, listen, duty calls, and I love the NFL draft, so bring it on. I tell you what, you're you're the first one in line to duty. Ed Kratz, we appreciate you. You have yourself a good weekend, and and I'm sure you'll be able to. You can still place a bet on the on the on the derby. You can still do that. Yeah, I don't know how to do that stuff. That's online. Right? <laughs> <laughs> All right, buddy. We'll talk with you soon. Be safe, sir. Thank you. too, Tom. All right. And congrats. Beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles. And SI.com, our official NFL contributor, Tony Donahue of the Tony D Podcast, also joined us. Hey, guys. Thanks for joining us. And if you're joining, if you're listening to us on the podcast, if you're not listening to us live, it means you are listening to us on the podcast. Just go ahead and hit like, subscribe, love, give us five stars. Let us know how awesome you are uh, so that uh, we can keep track of that. And the good thing about it is what you listen to on the podcast is our live show. Follow us on at T-Balance or Facebook, The Balance. My name is Tom Marquis, El Presidente. It's been great covering the draft with you guys. Make, make sure you, you follow us on um, on Twitter, as we have all of the draft updates, if you will, uh, as they as they come down, and uh, you know this is this is a time where a lot of uh, a lot of draft picks may may come to shine. It's uh, truth truth or or truth or dare, maybe. My name is Sal Marquis, El Presidente. Don't drink and drive, but in cool. I'm out of here. Deuces.
Join us next week for The Balance. In the meantime, check us out on Twitter, T-Balance, or Facebook, The Balance, or online at www.thebalanceonline.com.